Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Don't mess up Easter. It's all about Jesus. So I figured before I even get into my message, before I even open the Bible, I just wanted to spend a couple seconds telling you about this guy, Jesus. So look, in order to do this properly, we got to go way back. And I don't mean just 2,000 years. we got to go way, way back. I mean Adam and Eve, book of Genesis type thing. So God, you see, he created this planet called Earth. And in this planet, he created man. He named him Adam. He created woman. He named her Eve. And he created a plan for us, a purpose for us. You know what that purpose was? To take care of this place, to live in paradise to have authority over, over the animals and the birds and the, and the insects and, and, to, and, and to have access to the land and the water and the air. And you know what the reward for taking care of this place and living in this place, the reward was to be in God's presence. That was the reward. And you know, it didn't last long. We, we, made, sure, we made sure of that. It wasn't wasn't but a couple hours before God gave them some instructions. Have your way with this place, but don't eat of the fruit. The one fruit, the fruit of knowledge of good and Don't eat that. You know how long that lasted? Not long. One day, and they're eating of that fruit. What happens then? Well, now they have sin in their life. They have disobedience, unrighteousness, all kind of fancy words. They did wrong. And so God had to remove them from paradise. God can no longer be in their presence because God is holy. And if you are not holy, if you are not sinless, you can't be in God's presence. The reward is over now. And taking care of this planet, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to work. It's going to be hard to to, to bring children in this world. It's going to be hard to find love. It's going to be hard. And it went on like that for years and years and years. And as our disobedience, as our sin got worse and worse, God tried to put some laws to help us, you know, guide our lives you know, that worked to some degree. And ultimately, as, as religions expanded and languages expanded and, and territories expanded, God set up a way. He said, look, in order for you to get in my presence, you're going to have to have a sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice to be in my presence. If you want to know what my plan is for you, you're going to have to be in my presence. In order to do that, you're going to have to have a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice blood, and you've got to bring it to me. And not everybody can do it. Only special people can do it. You need to be a priest. So if you ain't a priest, you ain't coming to my presence. In fact, they have to sacrifice. They have to go in my presence, and they can come back out and tell you all about it. And if these priests, right, if they didn't do the sacrifice right, when they went up into the temple, when they went up to the Holy of Holies, there was a veil, a very thick curtain. They went past that curtain. If they didn't do it right, they would die. And that went on for hundreds of years until Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was born, he came from heaven, 100% God, incarnate in man, born of a woman, 100% human. And when he came, he walked with us and he talked with us. He went to the same stores, walked the same roads, drank the same water, ate the same food. God wanted to experience life through our shoes. This separates us from every other religion on the face of the planet. No other religion has God born and walk. Sure, they have, they have 
these, these, these images and these, they grace us with these, you know, spirits and ghosts. Sure, there's some of that in, in ancient religions, but, but none of them purport to be a human being and to walk with us and to talk with us and to, to suffer with us, to feel pain and agony, to feel, to feel joy, to feel love, to experience relationships, to experience how hard it really is to live in this flesh and blood. That's what Jesus did. And you know what he came to do? He came He came to remove that separation between all men and God. He came to create a bridge, to create a way, an access point to God so that we could be in his presence once again. Jesus Christ did amazing things while he was here on earth. During his ministry, he spit on on dirt. He rubbed that dirt on, on somebody's blind eyes and they could see again. He touched somebody's ears and they could hear again. Not once, not twice, three times. Somebody was dead, and he said, wake up, and they did. Jesus Christ fed thousands of people with just a few bread and fish. Jesus Christ literally walked on water. In the middle of a storm, he said, peace be still, and it did. He met a demon in a human being, and he told it to go over there, and it did. He met a legion of demons, thousands of them, and he told them to go over there, and they did. What? People were so adorned by this human being that they would crowd around. There were so many crowds, people couldn't get to him. One time they ripped the roof off and lowered a man that was paralyzed down in front of him. And he said, what are you doing? Get up and walk. And he did. This is the God I'm talking about. This is Jesus Christ. People loved and adored him. They flocked to him, and he turned no one down. No, not one. Somebody's getting it. Somebody's getting it. What kind of problems you got today? How many of you need a God like this? Well, there is a God like this. His name is Jesus Christ. But you see, the story doesn't end there. So Jesus Christ, he decided to go to the temple. Quite ironic, the temple is the place where God's presence was. But you see, God stopped talking to all the priests during this time. They weren't hearing God's voice. They're doing everything they can to hear God's voice, to hear his plan, to do the sacrifices, to do it right. Nothing wasn't working. That's because God was made man, flesh, incarnate. He was speaking God's word. He was sharing it. He came to Jerusalem. This was last week, Palm Sunday. And everyone was excited to see Jesus Christ came because the prophecy said that somebody would come as a God. He would come and he would remove this Roman occupation, this government. He would get rid of it. He would restore the religious authority and he would make the Jewish people righteous again. He would get rid of all the scum in their city. And so when Jesus Christ came, they expected that's who he was going to be. And yet there was a man who had no army. He had no throne. He had no money. To them, he had no power. Very quickly, they were disgusted with this man. He didn't come the way they wanted him. He wasn't the God they wanted. Wasn't the God they expected. So quickly, they grew tired of Jesus Christ. Pretty soon, he annoyed them. And then all the people flocked to them. And so the religious authority wanted to get rid of him, didn't know how. So they figured they would set him up. Betrayed by his own people. Tried. Arrested. Then tried. Then tried again. Found guilty. Beat. Scorned. 
flesh literally ripped off his body. Marched him to his own death sentence. Hung him on a cross, put nine-inch nails in his hands and his feet. Let him hang there. The God who didn't turn a soul away. He died. Then, three days later, three days later, he rose again. You see, this God who came down to earth, then prophesied his own death, his own resurrection, and then he did it. No other religion, no other no other history book, no other textbook shows anybody even like this person. And then he showed himself to his disciples, it is I. And then he ascended into heaven. Let me make sure you get this. Jesus Christ came so that we would no longer be separated from God. That veil in the temple that we talked about, when he died, it split. God's presence was available to you and to me, and to everyone, no more requiring a priest with a sacrifice, saying that we can allow God to speak to us. We can open up the Bible and read it. We can hear God's voice in our own lives. Jesus Christ came to do just that. How did he do it? Well, first he came to heal every manner of disease, and he did. Then he confronted all manner of sin, a woman in adultery, and he forgave her. Then he confronted all manner of human depravity, and he restored them. Then he confronted uh, ethnic and racial divides and division, and he united them. And then he brought us together with God the Father. This is the God we serve. It doesn't need emotion. It doesn't need video. It doesn't need anything but the facts, and now you have them. This is Jesus Christ. Who do you say he is? Who is he to you? Who do you think he is? That is the question we should be asking ourselves today because we didn't walk with him and talk with him, but he knows who you are. He knows who I am. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer that question for yourself. There's your Easter message. It's all about Jesus. But I figured we should open the Bible since we're all here together. Amen? I like reading it. I like studying it. So I figured I got a couple minutes of your time. Let's get into it. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 26. If you can do that, say amen when you're there. One, somebody's there. Somebody's there. Quick. Matthew 26. I'm going to start reading here at verse 36. So here's the context of the story that you need to hear. Jesus Christ, when he was walking and talking and he was doing his ministry, it came to the end of his ministry. And at the end of his ministry... He had what is called the Last Supper. He had his last meal before his arrest. And in this Last Supper, he said to his closest friends, one of you going to turn me in. They said, no, not me. The biggest, boisterous one named Peter, that would probably be me because I'm loud. He said, no, I won't do it. He, said, he says, Peter, you will end up denying me three times before this night's over. I'll die before I deny you, he says. Then after the dinner, he takes them all and they go out to a garden. That garden is called Gethsemane. And we read it here in verse 36 of Matthew chapter 26. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and two sons, James and John, and he began, and he became 
anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 39, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them, well, asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 42. Then Jesus left a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them, yep, sleeping. For they couldn't keep their eyes open. I know how that feels. 44. So... He went on to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Skip down to 56, and it says right there, at that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Heavenly Father, Lord God. We give you glory and we give you honor. Father God, I pray that you would make this word so true to us today. And whatever I have to say, Father God, allow it to get into their spirits. Allow them to hunt for what is for them, Father God, and allow you to speak inspiration into their life. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, why was there so much pain? Why did he do this? What is this all about? This is the battle before the battle, if you will. This was the battle of the mind and body. He was preparing himself for death. He knew it was going to happen. And so he went to Gethsemane to prepare himself. The agony and the pain that he was about to endure was unimaginable. As I mentioned later, they, they, they hit him and whipped him with, with, with these cat of nine tails and literally ripped the skin off of them. In fact, the, the centurions were so shocked at how much pain he was able to endure that, that, that they, they couldn't believe it. So they just continued to hit him. And then he'd get down, they'd tell him to stay down, he'd get back up and he'd do it again. He knew he'd have to endure that, so he had to get his mind and his body ready. So he went to this place with his closest friends. The verse I want to share with you today, the one I want to start with is right here. 26. 38. In my Bible, this is my, my, my I call it my story Bible because it's, it's written really nice. It says, stay here and keep watch with me. This message is for you and it is for me. Today, if you know Jesus Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus has come and gone from earth. He has indeed left us for now. He was busy about his father's business, and yet he completed it. His mission was successful. You know why we're here today. This is why we're here today. He set the example. He succeeded in his mission, and he sits on the throne in heaven right now, today, this moment. And today, he says to all of us these words right now. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. Can you accept this mission on Easter today? Can you accept these words from God? Can you obey? What, what is the, this, this here? What is that? For us right now, the here is right now. It's this moment. It's right now here today where you are. Can you be in God's presence with him? Can you obey his instructions? Can you watch his garden for him? What's his garden? 
Well, this isn't Eden. Paradise is gone. Well, we made sure of that. Jesus has redeemed us. He has laid out a new plan. This garden today, it's our lives. Those people, those relationships, those in our circles, can we keep watch? Can we be focused, listening and watching for those who need our help, for those who God is calling us to? Can we be focused on listening and watching for God himself and his next instructions? Can we follow these simple guidelines? It sounds easy, right? Here's the problem. Temptation. It ain't so easy. This story I just shared with you, it ain't new. Let me put it this way. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had as a young pastor, as a youth pastor, with people explaining this story about Jesus Christ starting back at Genesis. I never get past Adam and Eve before. Most men say to me, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't eat that fruit. No, I don't know why, why he gets to speak for all of us. Why is his sin on me? If I was in that position, I would do it very differently. I'd be okay. I wouldn't listen to the woman or the serpent. I wouldn't eat that fruit. Really? Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's played all over again. Here we are, man put into a garden, given simple instructions. Can you obey him? Can you stay in God's presence? Can you do what he says? Keep watch with me. But look what happened. You know what happened. Man failed back then. And guess what happened here? Man failed again. You know, Jesus prayed. Then he went and talked to, he went and he talked to Jesus. Jesus went to the man. This case, Peter, in the garden, followed simple instructions. He couldn't. He know what he was. He was asleep. Listen to what it says. He returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even for an hour? Then he says this in 41. Men, I want you to listen very carefully. Keep watch and pray so you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Keep watch and pray. Keep watch and pray. Keep watch and pray. Keep watch and pray. Simple instructions. Again, you couldn't follow them, so let me follow it up and give you a little more detail. Don't fall asleep. Keep watch and pray. Why? So you don't fall into temptation. You see, temptation, guys, temptation is, is not something that just comes on you. It's not something just falls from the sky. It's not something just happens. The Bible says it's something you enter into. It's something you fall into. It's something you sink into. And how does that happen? Because you're asleep. Because I'm asleep. Because we're asleep. The most important moment in human history, and the men are asleep. What? God says we need to stay awake. When you're asleep, you have no power. At the end of it, what happened? They just rolled out on Jesus. There was no power there because they were asleep. Today, I tell you, God says you need to be awake. You need to be vigilant. Men, don't be a slacker. Don't be lazy. Work hard when you're at work. Come home. Work hard when you're at home. Work on your family. Don't be lazy. Don't fall asleep. You know, it's interesting. This verse I hear all the time in marriage conferences. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This isn't spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The flesh is weak. This isn't just talking about sex. This is talking about the cardinal nature of all of us. This is talking about weariness. We're exhausted. We're tired. This world has beat us down. 
We do our hard work and then we're exhausted. We want to just go home. So men, we're too tired, too tired to go to church, too tired to read our Bible, too tired to, to share the gospel because we're asleep. Don't fall asleep today. Keep watch, the Bible says, and pray. Don't just go home and do your thing. Men, Jesus came to this planet to change the world. Will you listen and help him change it? Because he's asking you to lead your families, to lead your circles, to lead your communities. Amen? Amen. Why is Jesus playing this all out? Why is he being so hard on the men? Why? Because Jesus knew they were in over their heads. And every one of us here today knows there are times and places where we are. If you aren't in over your heads today, it's probably because you were yesterday. And if you weren't yesterday or today, you probably will be tomorrow. And you know how this goes. You know, we get involved in something. Okay, sure, I can do it. Yeah, I'll change the oil in my car myself. Uh, you know, I will, this is men and women, you know, I'll, I'll go to do this garden, you know, or, or, or I'll go cook this recipe for my family, or, or you know, I'll enter into this relationship. It's good, I got it. Or, or, or I'll take this job, I can handle it. Or I'll take this loan, I can handle it. And then you get involved and you realize you're in over your head. You're like, whoa, whoa, I, I can't do it anymore. It's too hard. I don't have the right tools. I don't have the right... God, you're not helping me. And so what happens? We, we usually quit, right? We just, I just can't do it. Or, or we press on with our own strength and resources, whatever we have. Or, or we ask for help. Jesus Christ, in essence, was a little bit in over his head. How do I know that? It says right here, my soul was crushed with grief to the point of death. Help me. What did Jesus Christ do? Let's take one look. He started to pray. And I'm not talking about whatever prayer you think of when you think of praying because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus Christ came this planet to live and experience life the same way you and I do. This was a very dark night for him. Any of you had a dark night before? Any of you had life so hard you didn't know how you would get up the next morning? You didn't know what would happen the next day? You didn't even maybe wanted to wake up? This is what Jesus was doing. It says he fell on his face. He bowed to the ground in verse 40. And he started to cry out. He started to cry out, and he cried angry prayers. If you can't talk to God in a real way, you need to figure out how to pray. You don't need fancy words. You don't need a pastor, a priest. You don't even need the Bible. What you need is what's going on in your heart, and you need to tell him exactly how you feel. Because only then can God tell you how you got it all wrong, and he can help fix you. But we cover so much up, we have to cover all of our flesh, all of our prayers, all of our life up, and we think we're hiding something from God. Jesus Christ bared it all. In front of God, angry prayers. And he didn't pray once or twice. Three times he went back praying, praying, and praying to God. You guys pray one or two times and God ain't doing nothing for me. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He had to pray three times. How many times do you think you got to pray? Especially when it comes to God's will. Because that's what the prayers were about. God, what do you have for me? Don't think you'll get it in one prayer. Especially when you're in the moment of your deepest darkest times of life and some of us are there right now I know it I've spoken to some of you some of you don't realize the person you're sitting next to is going through the most traumatic experience in their life right now we all look good 
But we all don't feel good on the inside, amen? That's just how it is. That's real. That's where we live. See, let's take a look at what happened here. Jesus, when he prayed his real prayer, he basically said the first time that he prayed, you can look at it right here. He said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. He basically said, any way I don't have to do this. You ever made that prayer? Any way I don't have to go through this. Any way, God, you can remove this from me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through this. Why should I have to? I've been good. I go to church. We got the list of excuses. Jesus Christ prayed the same prayer. It's right here. He says, anyway, I don't have to do this, God. Maybe this is his humanity taking over for a second. He pauses. Then he says, let your will be done. His prayer then changes, right? You saw the second prayer. It's a little different than the first. It changes. The second prayer says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I have to drink it, then your will be done. The second prayer, he says, don't let me fail as I go through this. What changed? What changed? You see, the first prayer, I think, is as much about I'm in over my head. Yeah, Lord, I'll suffer for the people. I love the people. I'll suffer for them. I got this. His ministry was great for, for 33 years. It was pretty awesome. And then the moments before his arrest and death, he, he starts to feel the weight of the world, the weight of all of y'all's sin on his back, the weight of the separation from God the Father, the weight of the pain and suffering he's about to endure. And he's like, whoa, well, wait, wait one second. There's got to be another way. And there was another way. You see, his divinity was in here too. God could do all things. The Bible actually says he could have called down 10,000 angels. He knew he was about to get arrested. He knew they were coming. He could have... In that moment, he had a decision. Do I want to be with God the Father right now? Yes, I do. Heaven's good. Get me out of here. Bring down my angels. Come get me. He would have smote. I guess it's the past tense of smite. He would have smited everyone. Just the fire and the angels. All the people gone. Wiped out. Could have did it. Ascended into heaven. That could be in our Bible. That could be what we read. He only had one chance. You see, he didn't have a second chance. He had to get it right this time. Because if he did that, everyone would tell everyone. Then if he came back a second time, they'd be like, no, we know what you're going to do. You're going to smite everyone. And that is the God most of the people I talk to know. The God that smites everyone. Really? Because that's not what my God did. He didn't call down 10,000 angels. He didn't let his humanity or his divinity get in the way of his love for you and me. What changed here? What was the difference? In the first prayer, he was focused on his situation. As are many of you, as are, am I. Our situations suck sometimes. Life is hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. It ain't easy. No matter how well you dress up for church, it's still hard. But when we focus on our situation, it's like a prayer. It's like a prayer we know God's not going to answer. Jesus prayed it. He knew he had to do it, but God didn't answer that prayer because we're focused on our situation. He's not trying to change your situation often is the case. He's trying to change and so his second prayer was not about his situation. His second prayer was about him. Change my heart, Lord. Give me the strength to go through this. He is teaching us. He is teaching us, Jesus Christ, in these moments. He's letting us see in these moments what you and I will all go through, and he's teaching us how to be victorious. Are you paying attention? Let me throw it on you this way. God will use anything to build us up. 
He will use anything, anger, disappointment, trials, suffering, evil. The Bible actually says that that what Satan means for evil, he will use for good. Anything in your life that you go through, he intends to use that for his good. Anything. It will teach you about himself. It will teach you about yourself. It will teach you about his will here on earth. But here's the problem. We see it through scripture. It's like literally in every story. It's the same thing. God wants to build us up, and then there's this guy, Satan, and he uses everything to take us down. So the same things that God is trying to build us up, Satan is using to take us down. The same exact things. This is the dilemma that we're in. Every single day, we have a choice, much like Jesus Christ. Take me out of the situation. Let Satan just focus on all the details. You will be destroyed. God, help me get through this. Give me the strength, Lord. You will be built up. The choice is yours. How do you do it? How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus figure this out? What did he do? Well, there's a little scripture, and we're running out of time here, so I'm not going to point to it. It's in Hebrews. There's a little scripture uh, that says that, well, well, what happened was, in between those times, the two prayers, um, it says, the angels in heaven gave Jesus some strength. And he began to focus, not on the situation, but himself. I wanted to explain that to you. How can I explain that to you? Many of you don't meet angels, do you? If anybody here meets angels, please come see me after church. Love to hear about it. Whatever you're doing, I got to do that myself. But, but, but that, that's not what we experience. So I asked God to give me a, an image, a vision. I, I prayed about this for a while, and, and it came to me. It's because my beautiful wife. My beautiful wife loves the beach. Like every gospel message could be about the beach. I mean, I'm convinced. And so in the beach, my wife goes, I don't like the beach. It's hot. I'm pale. I get sunburnt. You know, no matter SPF 100, doesn't matter. You know, sand's all over. My kids are crying. We lose somebody. Somebody's in the sand. You know, it, it's a mess. So I, to get away from all that, I sometimes go into the ocean. And I love going into the ocean when there's no one there and you're just in the waves. The waves to me represent life. There's times where it's calm. There are times when it's uneasy. And there are times when it is atrocious. They tell you not to go in. But it's kind of fun. If there are some waves and you could go ride those waves, you know you've been there. Just with your body. Body surfing is great. You go body surfing with waves. You catch them. You find the rhythm. You know, I got life. I can handle this. One wave. Two waves. This is fun. I can handle it. I'm a man. I got this. Inevitably, you go back for more and there's a surprise wave out of nowhere that grabs you. You look up, you're like, ah, it comes right down, smashes you. And anybody who's been there knows what happens when you get smashed. By the way, I don't care how big and strong you are, it does not matter. Mother Nature will take you down. Now you're underwater. Now you have a choice. God uses anything to build you up. Satan uses everything to tear you down. If you begin to struggle underwater, in that wave, you begin to fight. You know what happens? It's almost as if the wave just grabs on you harder. It begins to toss you. The more you struggle, the more it does the opposite what you want to do. Smashing you to the sand, the rocks even. Send you back upside down. You don't even know which way is north anymore. You struggle, the more it beats you down. But any dad in here who's talked to their son or daughter out into the ocean... When this happens and they come, they can't breathe and the water's coming out of their nostrils and I never want to go in the ocean again. You tell them all the same thing. When the water hits you, son, when you go under, 
and the wave is over you. Just relax. Just let the wave go right over top. Don't struggle. Don't even move. Sure, you'll flow a little bit, but in seconds it will pass. Anybody experienced that in their life before? Okay, there's only a few who've been to the beach you need to go. Beach is great. But what I'm telling you guys, this is what the difference is with the situations that you're in. God can literally just brew right over you. And he can build you up or you can struggle every day of your life. And watch as Satan tears you down. But you better be awake. You better pray or you'll fall into temptation. I want to go back to this verse here. Brother Roy, can you come help? Oh, Brother Roy's already here. Look at this, man. He is ready and able. You are willing to get this thing going. Way to go, Brother Roy. Hands up for Brother Roy. All right. I got this message. I'm closing right here, and we'll get the kids ready. Look, it takes a lot of time to get the eggs ready, so I'm making sure I'm scheduling right about the right time. Okay, so you remember this verse, right? This is the very first one. Man in the garden. Don't eat the fruit. Ah, we ate the fruit. Man in the garden. Stay awake and watch. Ah, you fell asleep. How Would you do any different? Okay, look, Jesus Christ, he didn't have to invite all of these men to the garden. He didn't have to invite anybody there. Why did he invite them? He could have had them all stand guard and, 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 and push out the, 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 the officers when they came, but he didn't. He brought them to watch him. Why, why did Jesus Christ want people to watch him? Because he's teaching us. He's teaching us how to fight. He's teaching us how to fight temptation. He's teaching us how to fight suffering. He's teaching us how to be triumphant, how to be victorious. Jesus Christ wants you by his side. Jesus doesn't just want to come along your life. He wants you to come along his life. These disciples, back in Adam and Eve's time, back right here, they failed, as many of us have. We don't have a perfect story we don't have it all figured out. We often fail. These disciples failed. And what happened when they failed? They were so asleep. <laughs> Three times. Each prayer was about an hour, I guess. They were asleep. They were tired. Look, didn't break. They just ate a big dinner. They were asleep. They were so asleep that the officers, the Romans, their own Jewish people walked right past them and found Jesus sitting there praying. Completely oblivious, his friends were. They had failed him. What happened then? What happened then? Did Jesus Christ be like, thanks a lot, guys. Can't count on you. Is that how we think God is? What did he say? Hey, guys, I asked you to help me, but you didn't. Kind of told you so. I mean, well, I'm going to punish you now, but my last deed and act as a human is to smite you. Did he do that? What did he do? How about this? Farewell, disciples. I go and die for you now. Is that what he did? Adios. Sayonara. I mean, what, what did he do? What would you do? If you were writing the story of God, how would you write it? Ha. I've already read it to you, but you forgot. As with so many scriptures, we forget. They're in over their head. And Jesus Christ, when they come to finally take him, after he's fixed his heart, He's ready to endure what God has for him. He says to his friends, his brothers, his family who have failed him, he says, but look, the time has come. 
rise up and let us go. Let us go together. Let us be going. Let's do this thing. Come with me. I'm not going to come with you. You're going to come with me. This is Jesus Christ inviting you. He's inviting you, whoever you are today, Christian for 50 years, Christian for five days, not sure if you even want to be a Christian. He is calling you with your failures, with your doubts, with your suffering, and he is trying desperately to build you up. And Satan, in this moment, is trying to remind you of all the ways that God has failed you and that your life is no better, and Satan is trying to break you down. So now I ask you one last time, who is this Jesus Christ to you? He came so that we could be closer to him. He came so that we could experience God. Do you want to be closer to God or friends with the enemy? Do you want to indulge in your own world and your own agenda? Or do you want to help change the world in front of us? Would everybody in this moment just bow their heads? If you're a Christian, pray today. And I'm going to pray for each one of you that God would show himself. But before I do, if there is anyone in this building who's heard this story today or any story before this one and realize that Jesus Christ is inviting them to join his side despite your inadequacies, despite your decisions, despite what you know or think of him, you want God to build you up and you're sick and tired of Satan breaking you down. If you need a dose of Jesus Christ today, I pray that you raise your hand. I pray you raise your hand. I see that 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 hand. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord God. Heavenly Father, Lord God. We need your help. Father God, we're not asking you any longer to come into our world. It's a mess. And my friends, they'll beat you down too. Father God, we're desperately asking you to pull us out of our world into yours. Take us behind the curtain, Lord. Let us feel your presence. Father God, I pray right now for everyone who raised their hand. I pray, Father God, you would transform their lives in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray. I pray that you would have your will here on earth. Church, would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, I have sinned and I am sorry. Father God, I ask you to cleanse me of my sin so that I can know you more than ever before. Father God, come into my life and take me on your journey. In Jesus' name, amen. It says rise up. Let us be going. He included 
all of us. Would you rise with me? That text message about him being risen, that text message that came this morning at 5.30, 2,000 years ago when it happened, there was no human being that removed the rock in front of the tomb. God did it. What was that like? What would it be like to watch Jesus Christ be resurrected from the grave? dressed him in, but he ain't wearing that. That's for dead people, and he ain't dead. He's busy about his father's business. The time has come, church, and he's inviting you, and he's inviting me. What's he got in mind, Lord? Rise up and let us be going! We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.